Today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Podcorn. Listen, everybody. I subscribed to all the industry podcasts and I joined all the social media groups looking for advice on how to make my podcast bigger, better, and more professional. And something that always comes up is the daunting thought of monetization. Sponsors. How do I get sponsors? Do sponsors even want me? Are the sponsors that do want me something that I want for my brand and my listeners? How much am I even worth with my current listener base? Can I wear white after Labor Day if I'm working from home now? Okay, that one's just for me. But these are all valid questions. Valid questions that usually stop people like me from pursuing sponsors in the first place. And it probably would have stopped me too if I didn't find out about Podcorn. All it took was creating an account, linking my show's analytics to the site, and bam, I was in. I was immediately able to check out all the potential sponsors and choose the ones I thought would be the best fit. You could choose what kinds of ads you want to do from pre-roll like this one to something a little different like interviews and giveaways. I pitched a bunch of sponsors my commercial ideas and chose my own rate, and Podcorn made it so easy. They answered all my questions and helped me every single step of the way. I think Podcorn will be very instrumental in taking the Nomcast to the next level. I'm sounding more professional already. To learn more, check the link in our show notes and sign up for Podcorn today. Welcome to the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Morgan. You can follow the show at NomcastPod on Twitter and Instagram, and you can visit us on the web at NomcastPod.com. All right, we have a ton to get to in this show. My good friend, film critic, Oscar pundit extraordinaire, also Mike from the always amazing podcast, Mike, Mike, and Oscar is on with me today. He's always up for going on some deep dives with me when it comes to the biggest news stories around Hollywood, and there have been a few massive changes in the past few weeks with streaming companies making deals with other streaming companies or buying studios. It's all getting really crazy out there. And then I saw a tremendous set of articles on what's on Netflix.com that really put it in perspective from the Netflix side, so I asked Mike to come on and really hash out all of this, and then in the second half, we decide who Netflix should buy because that's always fun. Spending money that isn't ours for our own entertainment. It's the best. So stick around for that. Lots of info, lots of laughs, lots of talk about Mike's new beard. It's pure podcasty goodness, frankly. So after this quick word from Forgotten Entertainment, we will bring you our Streaming Wars update. So stick around. Thanks for listening. Attention, culture consumers. Join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights. Colleen McMillan. Flo Siegel. And Anders Drew. On Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey there, I'm Mr. Black. And I'm Mr. Green. 
And we're a couple of guys who met in a comic book store. Together, we host the Pint O' Comics podcast, where we invite listeners to join us to talk about movies, TV, comics, music, or just whatever. Starting very soon, we'll be joining up with the fine folks at Forgotten Entertainment, for a special limited series called On the QT, where we talk Tarantino. Every week for 10 weeks, a guest will join us to chat about every Quentin Tarantino movie from Reservoir Dogs to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So join us starting in May 2021. On the QT is available wherever you download your podcasts and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Ooh, that's a bingo. All right, the streaming wars are heating up, and who better to talk to than also Mike from Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Uh, we're doing a true straight-over crossover event. Uh, I'm glad to have you here, man. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm having a bit of a Jordan flu game right at, right at this moment, <laughs> I, I hope, I think. I just got my second vax. Uh, I, was, I was pitching, you know, two vax, two furious uh, <laughs> series titles to Mike One earlier today, who is doing a little better i'm told and i i hope me and him will be back in the recording chair soon enough but uh you know hopefully we'll have an you know an update for you guys at least on the outro if not the intro of this one if we didn't say it already but but yeah i mean you're coming through in the clutch for us i thank you my friend for doing this collab uh we're kind of we, we got it together last minute because a ton of stuff happened a ton of stuff that you know mike and i have been following for a while that we've been talking about on our news shows and certainly uh that we've been listening to the nomcast covering and it's it's all coming back to netflix like we said what you know a year and six months ago when we were talking about hbo and max and all this stuff and it, it always came back to netflix in the conversation and now we have amazon prime time warmer warner again involved and again it comes back to netflix and we got a couple articles that uh that are that are a fun way to 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 summarize all that yeah, absolutely, man. Thoughts and prayers to uh, to Mike One. Uh, thoughts and prayers to you and your giant beard that is offending me right now. As a person who can't grow facial hair, you are offensive, sir. Uh, you are ruining this session for me. Uh, it's, it caught I've let me by it grow. surprise. Yeah, I've yeah. let it grow a little long. It's very black. I, I, in my brain, it looks like the guy from um, from uh, the the boys. He's got the yeah. big spiky yeah. beard. Absolutely. And I don't think it look. I have a round face, so it probably doesn't look quite like that, but I'm, I'm working on it. I will blame it on your Knicks playoff beard. So I will do that because he's already trying to run me off this session yes. so he can watch the we Knicks. We have a hard game. out, hard out. Julius Randle tips off seven o'clock. Yeah. If you want to know the difference between my life and Mike's life, it's mm -hmm. I have a hard out to put my kids to bed. He has a hard out to watch the Knicks. I have so to watch just... my Knicks live, baby. Oh, I can't what? wait. I can't yeah. wait. It's going to be torture, but I can't wait. <laughs> we all have our children. Thanks for being here, Mike. But yes, as you as you teased, uh, the streaming wars amazingly are are never ending and always interesting. And it's never been more interesting than right now because I sent you a pair of articles, a uh, two part series that was on what's on Netflix dot com mm -hmm. uh, from the entertainment strategy guy, which is this kind of anonymous deep throat type character. What former, a coward! <laughs> yeah, pseudonyms. Or, <laughs> former streaming wars, uh, former streaming executive, excuse me, uh, that you know pops on and does these deep dives and real deep analysis uh, on what's going on. And he did this whole detailed layout of could or should Netflix make a big acquisition or merger and then who they should partner up with if they did so. And I thought that was enough for an entertainment, uh, an entertaining sure. podcast. And then turns around and we get 
the big guns coming right for Netflix uh, with two major stories that came out. Uh, Time Warner, uh, you know, and, mm-hmm. and their association with AT&T is no longer. Now uh, you got Discovery Plus stepping in uh, and trying to, you know, merge those two entities and AT&T goes bye-bye, which, you know, it never made sense to me in the first place, but that was a quick in and out for AT&T, Mike. I think they made back some money, though. I think uh, AT&T getting $43 billion to separate and to kind of have uh, HBO and uh, Time Warner become its own thing with Discovery elsewhere. That's probably a good move for them. I think you're going to get into maybe the why of that. Maybe they couldn't vertically integrate like they wanted to, like other streamers have tried, like Apple has tried. They haven't been able to vertically integrate things with Apple TV Plus and you know, obviously, they're all their mobile devices there the way they maybe thought they would have in the beginning. And they don't ha- necessarily have, you know, the, the cable networks with the PVOD. That's one thing. But the streaming with the, you know, with the with the uh, cell phone stuff, I don't necessarily know if that works. Obviously, Amazon's got its own thing. But look, you have AT&T shareholders still owning 71% of this new, you know, HBO Max slash Discovery uh, entity, whatever that is. So it's also, I guess they're shadow partners or what do you call that? Shadow investors or whatever. <laughs> sure. So yeah. th- there's still some of that going on. But we basically have one of two possibilities here, right? We're going to have a bundle situation where HBO Max and Discovery Plus are kind of bundled together, kind of like Hulu and Disney Plus and ESPN Plus. I've heard some people talk about it and I read some people talk about it in the articles you sent me that that's what's going to happen and we're going to have all the Animal Planet, Food Network stuff kind of, you know, conjoined with the HBO Max stuff, or we're going to have it literally all becomes part of HBO Max. So I don't know. Do you have any read on what's going to happen here? I mean, to be honest, I, I think I, I it depends. I would have to know more about how well that Disney partnership is working with Hulu and ESPN and all those. Um, you know, are they profitable? Mm-hmm. Things that I don't know how profitable those things are or how well they're working. I mean, because to be honest, I mean, Hulu is definitely second tier. Uh, mm-hmm. And obviously Discovery Plus is as well. Uh, but, you know, specifically they made this move thinking they are going dead after Disney and, and that was their motivation. So if that's the case, then maybe they emulate Disney here and they do the separate partnership. Because to me, if, I, if I'm if i a HBO subscriber, yeah. I don't know how much I care about the rest of that other stuff. But on the flip side of that, Netflix is as successful as it is, because as you've many times, whether I like it or not, have told me that Netflix is the Walmart of streamers because they have <laughs> a little bit of something for everybody. Yeah. And, you know, is this the model going forward of what they want to try to pull off to try to be as big as a Netflix long term? Or do they kind of want to, like I said, do the separate entities and see where it goes? And if it doesn't work out, go up from there. Right. I mean, we we turn on Netflix or HBO Max for that matter, and we're looking at movies X, Y, and Z, right? When, when, you know, anybody else turns it on, they might be looking for the next episode of the Great British Bake Off or, you know, something, you know, so that's why like all of these reality and nature shows, I I guess it must have worked for Disney Plus because you got all the Nat Geo stuff, right? Connected to Disney Plus. Plus, and sometimes that a lot of times that crosses over with Disney Plus, uh, and there's a whole channel for it, and, and you see some of that on uh, 
on HBO Max now with the with the studios, with the Studio Ghibli, et cetera, et cetera. They got the hubs in a way. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering if the Discovery Plus stuff is going to be a hub, and maybe it'll that'll be how they transition. They'll start out with it being a hub on HBO Max, and they'll see if their their subs skyrocket. But the bottom line is, they went off on their own because I think it's obvious their subscriber number almost doubled. They had like 37 million. You know, between it was just regular HBO subscribers, right? And HBO Max subscribers included of like 37 million, like I said. And then it, now it's like 64 or something at the last quarter, uh, you know, whatever update that was. So right. HBO Max is probably even further now. They've activated a lot of HBO people over to Max, which is plus $5 a, a person, right? So this is a situation now where, yeah, HBO Max is kind of coming for Disney Plus next, or at least it wants to be on that same tier. So you would look at it and say, all right, they got to start spending more for content buys. And this was kind of a wholesale you know, way to, to do that, to merge with to Discovery Plus to kind of get a whole world of content that they did not have. Yeah, they got Conan O'Brien you know, doing some some reality <laughs> TV show. You know, he they got you know Conan travels around uh, yeah. shows on Those there. Are but great. They, yeah, I love them, but they don't necessarily have uh, Discovery Plus uh, until you know bringing them over here. They don't have anything like that now, uh, until now. And I think the biggest part of all all this is the deep pockets of the owner of Discovery, who has already pledged, knowing full well that HBO Max is the bigger entity, the the bigger fish of the two properties that they have, uh, and respecting that, he already says he wants to put twenty billion to ex- which exceeds Netflix and Disney Plus in terms of brand new original wow. content. So. He's not messing around. So I think if you're going to see the weaponizing, essentially, of all the IP and catalog stuff and all uh, that Time Warner already owns and then go from there with an actual uh, a huge budget increase, then we could see a lot of things uh, coming from HBO Max on the level that Netflix already does. Uh, Are they good? properties are they strategic enough are they using the money wisely i don't know that answer because we haven't gotten there but they have pledged it and i think they are a much smarter partner than they ever were with at&t so i gotta ask you a couple a couple of different angles on this because this fascinated me basically hbo max was just doing like a billion dollars for for new content in their first year and i think last year it was two billion right something, something like, that. like that it was pretty low yeah so what did what did you make? Yeah, what did you make of just in re, in retrospect, looking back on it now? What do you make of the three billion dollars of theatrical film content that they pushed onto HBO Max that then resulted in many many people's minds in the the boom of subscribers, the doubling of subscribers, the fact that every I mean it seemed to work, right? The content buys, yeah, the content going to HBO Max seemed to work, and that's only five billion essentially, uh, of yeah. new content. I mean, they used it wisely. I think they already had stuff in the pipeline that was already attractive and the fact that it goes straight to that platform, especially during the pandemic. The Friends when reunion they- was pretty great. I'm not going to lie. Well, remember how this all started, though? I mean, the Wonder Woman 1984, for yes. whatever you want to say about the movie, was the and that and Soul in December when we were still not getting blockbusters to mm-hmm. come onto streaming platforms 
Yeah, that was a huge deal. That put them right on the map. The one thing I'll say about the subscriber, as you asked, though, is how much of that was deals that came through their association with AT&T. How many people got it for free or got it for you know a lower price or whatever through yeah. AT&T? And then now we'll see, are they sticking around when those deals end? And, and that's what we we still need to see because those numbers can be inflated, you know, as opposed to, you know, what we truly know. And I think a lot of people said that in the articles that I read, too, where we have no real clue what HBO Max is kind of worth or where they are in the landscape. So I yeah. think that's still TBD. But moving on, I want to get to the to the next ones before we get to all the Netflix fun. So Amazon. They also made a big move acquiring MGM Studios for, I believe it was what, reported $10 billion, Mike? It wound up being something like 8.45. Okay. I think at the end of the day, but this is, you know, again, there's a lot of caveats here that the library is post 1986 that they're buying because Turner owned MGM before that and they or they bought the library before that and a lot of that stuff is now on HBO Max go figure TCM yeah. being you know Turner Classic Movies being the owner there so there's there's that there's also the fact that the most lucrative MGM property James Bond No Time to Die is in a major profit sharing situation with the Eon production company and the Broccoli family so that this sounds like fake names and whatnot. That's a real name, but but look, I think uh, yeah. I think they they knew going in that this is a profit share on James Bond, but I I do think they're looking back at the IP, which is which you're going to get into, and some of the you know prestige buzzier titles of this year. Basically, the track record of MGM, uh, Andrew, where they're. They're they're kind of a conservative production company financially, I would say, and that's that they haven't always been. But lately, they haven't been a, a, a production company that takes a lot of risk. You know, they 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 got a sure thing like James Bond. They yeah. got the Creed movies, and otherwise, they don't. You know, they don't shoot for the stars. They're they're very modest in their budgets, and it's it's a company that has been. Yeah, I, I mean, how people classify them is is different, you know, this decade than it was two decades ago. I, I heard right. Ann Thompson getting a big argument with people on the internet. Don't call them mid majors or majors. It has nothing nothing to do with what what what's really happening now because it all right. had to do with the terminology of studio lots, major studio minor. They had to literally do with geography and the lots in Hollywood at the time. Anyway, but I think MGM. Let's be honest, they have not operated as a quote-unquote major studio. They have operated as someone like a more of a boutique studio that can still take their shots and, and sink major dollars into their their trademark properties like the Rockies and the, and the Bonds. Yeah, absolutely. And what's interesting, though, if you read those articles on what's on Netflix, they straight up call them a zombie studio. Like they, they <laughs> scaled back so much that they had like a little office – not they didn't have like a true lot you know it was you know a shell of themselves because you know like you mentioned post 86 they didn't have a catalog anymore to really kind of get all the money of the those properties that they own maybe outside mm. of what most of the money is was going to the broccoli family for the for the james bond stuff and they you know they have a lot of say 
over the years what happens to those properties. So we don't fully know what those conversations have been with Amazon. So we don't know if it's like, oh, okay, this makes sense because they're going to make, you know, a Bond TV show or they're going to make some kind of IP I would doubt it. You know, I I honestly doubt it too, especially at this stage in the game. Um, Also, uh, from everybody else, you know, we were talking about the price tag. Speculation was half that. It was about five billion, uh, what they were worth before this deal. So they in very much overpaid. But I guess they see a lot of these properties that they will have control over as something that they can dig through. Uh, specifically, they mentioned uh, Twelve Angry Men, Basic Instinct, Creed, and Rocky, Legally Blonde, <laughs> uh, Poltergeist, Silence of the Lambs, Stargate, Thelma and Louise, Tomb Raider, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Thomas Crown Affair. Uh, you know, and even stuff like um, Vikings was supposed to be they have stuff in progress, in development at Netflix that might just get yanked uh, based on this deal. Or at least it'll start there and then end up uh, going to Amazon Prime uh, at the end. It'll almost kind of be how Netflix had with the Marvel deal where it's like, yeah, you did a great job. Now we're taking these and going home. So, you know, it could be something like that that occurs. We don't know at this point. Um, but yeah, there are a lot of things that could be bigger. And oh my God, if the hands made tail gets taken from Hulu, and, that'll and hurt. Goes, Hulu. That'll but hurt them a lot. Let's be honest; they gotta have like thirty things circled that they wanna develop or they want to see if they could develop. I mean, if you're yeah. gonna buy somebody wholesale, right? And 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 it's mostly because of their IP. It's not worth the, you know eight billion to them just to have the MGM films from post-1906 in their library. It's not worth it to them just to have the rights to James Bond after James Bond plays in theaters, which it's still going to do. Yeah. You know, it's not even worth it to Amazon, you know, to have House of Gucci be this year's Sound of Metal or One Night in Miami. And even if it's that buzzy title that debuts directly on Amazon Prime, that's still not worth, you know, you can have eight years of, of those movies. That's not worth, you know, enough to Amazon Prime to justify that price tag. What they have to do is they have to have 20 or 30 things that they want to develop into TV shows or movie remakes or whatever. Uh, then it's worth it to them. Then And then if they can use the studio, like if it's not the zombie studio <laughs> that, right. that people say it is, uh, and maybe the, the spin center is – is, is getting a little out of control in that regard. Maybe MGM does have people that are tried and true in the business and they can, you know, help Amazon develop film projects better than they've developed in the past. But even more so, they also got a, you know, they got a beat on the, the television development side of things. I mean, The Handsmaid's sure. Tale, uh, Fargo, you know, these are this quality programming that, uh, you know, those people are now with Amazon Prime. So it is it is bolstering up you know, Amazon Prime's capabilities here. And you look at what they spent on something like Lord of the Rings, where they spent $250 million for the rights, and then they spent almost $500 million to make season one. So that's three quarters of a billion dollars just to make season one of Lord of the yeah. Rings. So, you know, they've been buying a la carte. Now here they are, Amazon Prime, buying wholesale. 
So again, yeah. you know, you, you, we'll see how it all shakes out. I, I just hope it doesn't come down to Joe Wright's Cyrano is what I would say at the end of the day because Cyrano <laughs> yeah. might be hit or miss. Three three thousand years of longing also hit or miss. Is it a genie? Is it not a genie? Is Tilda Swinton? How long has she been longing for Idris Elba? I get it, but I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that movie's going to work or how right. long the IP is going to last with three thousand years of longing. It could last a long time. Boomer bust, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Miller could be, you know, he is a franchise guy, you know, he has developed Mad Max into a juggernaut over the years, you sure. know, but obviously <laughs> a lot of years between some of them for sure. But Well, they got you know, Soggy Bottom too, right? I mean, MGM is, is in bed with PTA, Paul Thomas yeah. Anderson. So MGM has relationships in the industry for a while. So that's, you know, that's something going for Amazon Prime as well. Yeah, I mean, listen, they get awards play out of it. They get a catalog out of it. They get potential IP going every which way in any direction they want to with some of these these products. So, I mean, it's it's not a bad deal. It makes a lot of sense for them to bolster a lot of the things that already work for them. But uh, one thing I would say, you know, as opposed to the, the HBO Max, you know, Time Warner and Discovery thing where I think that can make them go way bigger and actually mm. make a lot of sense because you know uh, it echoes like i said either what netflix is doing if you combined all those entities right. um or disney with the disney hulu stuff that this kind of ends up being their hulu that you know maybe it makes sense for them along the lines of that prime doesn't want to do anything but prime like it, it's funny that we always talk about like the way amazon prime video has worked is Oh, I already have this because they already pay for, you know, free shipping on their shopping with Amazon. They go, oh, I could just watch this stuff for free. That's just a bonus. What they want to do now, or at least their goal that they've kind of said is they want people to come to Prime Video and then go, oh, right. I don't have actual Prime. Maybe I, I, oh, I get all this too. I can do all my shopping and do all that. So they want to do also the reverse integration too you know the getting those kind of those shoppers you know to cross over between that and their content so is that a realistic play i don't know i think the 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 i would probably not have prime if i didn't have prime shipping mm -hmm. i will say that you know and i and i'm in this business <laughs> like i'm in the business of trying to do this so but i came to it as oh this is starting that's that was how i became a prime video subscriber so you know it's the it's the reverse of all these other streamers where it's like oh man i gotta have this you know the dc comics stuff or i gotta have marvel i gotta have star wars i gotta have all mm -hmm. these things that makes a lot of sense do people eventually want to do this for amazon i don't know and does the amazon uh does the mgm acquisition help them there I don't know when the conversation was given to Jeff Bezos, whether he thinks this will be that. And he's like, I don't know. He doesn't <laughs> know either. And he said that straight up for make putting, you know, eight and a half to nine, whatever billion dollars out there. Just being like, well, try it. If it works, cool. If it doesn't, I'm Jeff Bezos, you know, so that's, that's a great thing to say. So, you know, in the same way, when you said about AT&T getting basically paid $43 million to go away, anytime somebody wants to do that to me, you give me a call. You pay me $43 million to save me from making stupid mistakes. Yeah. Absolutely do it. Bezos, you want to give me eight 
to ten billion dollars, whatever, just to like kind of hang out. <laughs> with well, that's you. the thing. Sure, we we kind of buried the lead in a way because Amazon certainly one of the the business winners of the lockdown. There's no question about it, right? Totally. I mean, they made out so well, uh, and you know, credit to them, they kept the world you know turning, uh, and and like Netflix did in many ways, um, they kept uh, they kept us all sane at home. Netflix and Amazon Prime's had some good shows in the interim as well. Like Invincible is a pretty damn good show. One uh-huh. Night Miami, Sound of Metal, they were really solid movies. Uh, along with Borat Two was fun. Blah blah blah, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Now you mentioned it, like the guys got money to burn here, so eight billion. For Jeff Bezos going out the door because he likes Bond and he likes he doesn't even know what he bought I guess <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think that's a big deal I'm not saying they can wipe their ass with it but I'm saying that it, even if it blew up in their face it's it's probably got a it's got a floor to it I don't know if it's a high floor and what they would make back but they're right. they're they they would make it work for them so it's not it's not a make or break deal like a Disney Fox thing which was seventy one billion dollars you know right that that's what fox media coming over to disney cost them all the all their entertainment rather so that's a that's a much bigger fish than uh mgm or an a24 or a lionsgate like we're going to talk about yeah the, the disney fox deal seems like it was a decade ago compared to all the stuff <laughs> yeah. that happened and but they did it with you know the the package in mind they knew that they were going to launch all these you know, subscription services, you know, these yep. streaming services and and they built it out based on these acquisitions. Everybody else is just trying to either emulate Disney or they're mm-hmm. emulating Netflix or they're trying to just get up on their level. Because right now it's funny you're talking about studios in this way or whatever or that we shouldn't talk about them in this way. But there are the major streamers, then there's the mid-major streamers and the little streamers. Like <laughs> yeah. there there are these things out there. And, you know, soon enough, because what everybody wants from this, and which is funny because I, I was talking about this with my wife earlier. It's like, uh, everybody just wants TV. You know, and everybody just wants to get our back. stories. Right, I want but, my well, stories. Well, what they want, <laughs> Mike, is just they wanted to have this, you know, figure what you, you and I are of a similar age or at least we're of the generation of the people who went, wait, I pay all this money and I have mm-hmm. no control over how many channels I get or what channels I get. I get everything and most of it I don't care about, but I'm mm-hmm. paying for it. We got mad. We got fed up and Netflix got bigger and we were like, well, we're just going to do this now. And Netflix became TV. And now all these other things pop up to where we're going back to old school TV. We're going to 1950s TV where it's like, hey, there's three networks and you're going to watch them because that's all you have. And now we're doing the same thing where we're going to have like four streamers and then that's it. And then everybody said it two years ago or three years ago, I would say like this is happening, right? It's going to happen where the major networks. You know, all these conglomerates own these streamers anyway, but right, or yeah. used to, these major networks are not going to be the major networks anymore. It's going to be the major streamers. Yeah. And and I think the majors are the majors because of things, we're going to say this a lot, pipeline. Because yeah. to me, all the studios that they acquired or all the mergers that they did along the way, you know, 
are because they they could take these old IP or they could take these people who are working for other studios and have them work for them and develop these deals that are going to give them more and more and more content because content is king. And the one thing I do want to ask you before we get to the Netflix part of all this, because I think the difference between Netflix and everybody else is the amount of original content they have. They mm-hmm. went full tilt in, in building their own studio and, and keep buying more and more space to make more and more content of their own, things that they own, so that way it, the cost is better to them. Everything they went is, this is us. And everybody else, I want to know from you, do these catalogs matter as much as that people sound like they do? Because to me, like... Yeah, are there certain shows that I'll go back to and just be like, yeah, I'm just going to rewatch, you know, like right now in my Scrubs rewatch, you know, for for the whatever, third or fourth time through, you know, whatever, stuff like that. You know, it's like, yeah, do I do that on occasion? Absolutely. Do I care what streamer it's on? And if it went away, would I care? Not really. I've seen it. But you know what I haven't seen? Mm-hmm. Whatever's new, whatever's buzzy, whatever people are talking about on Twitter or in my friend circles and family mm-hmm. circles, I'm probably going to watch that. If it's in the award conversation, I'm going to watch that. I'm more of a current person in terms of all this, and I think a lot of people are, at least our generation is. Like, we're not going like, ah, I just need to watch you know every single movie by this director from the 40s. Like, yeah, you could do that. And and that's why Criterion exists and, and a lot of these other ones exist. And I love the TCM part of HBO Max, right. but it's not the thing I do all the time. What I, I do all the you. time is the current products. So to me, the MGM thing, unless they really start to, to make things that make sense out of that, I don't care. So I think you're you're hitting on kind of the essence of why we stream and why why we go and you know open up the app every night and which app do we open up like yeah. I, i'll give you two examples like apple tv plus right now has a show that i'm into mythic quest it's very funny yeah i'm watching it i tune in every week you know amazon prime they had invincible going every week yeah i found myself clicking on their other stuff apple tv plus i found myself clicking around amazon a little more uh, yeah. When I was I was watching Invincible, and I I do think that's a factor. I think the new stuff is the draw, and yeah. for for a lot of people, and for most people, and I, it's certainly been the subscriber draw for HBO Max. And I do think Netflix would say it's been a major draw in you know building the subscriber empire that it is. So yeah. once you watch one thing on Netflix, next thing you know, later in the week, oh my God, I've watched X amount of hours of Netflix because right. I was in there. I was scrolling around. They got a million options. It, a ba- you know, it's in your memory bank for later. What you want to watch and what you sure. need to watch. And I mean, look, I mean, for us, it's appointment viewing because we have X amount of new movies. I watched thirty nine Netflix original movies last year. That yeah. new ones, never mind yeah. old ones that I caught up on and did like movie review bundles for your show with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm talking about new movies on Netflix. And that, that doesn't even count the 25 shorts. Uh, I ha- I watched 27 seasons of TV during the pandemic yeah. on Netflix. So yeah. some of that was, okay, I watched seasons one through six or however many. I watched all of Community. I watched all of The Crown. I watched, uh, you know, 
yes, I did, you know, these these shows that, you know, some some are brand new or I caught up or yeah, I mean, but once you get in there, you you, you typically go back. So that that's huge for Netflix in terms of hooking people and keeping them there. Otherwise, yeah. you know, I mean, we both know like I'm I don't want to mention the I don't want to mention the streaming service right now, but I'm probably going to stop it. I'm probably going to stop it because I just don't watch it enough. And the new stuff I'm not that into. So guess what? You're losing my $10 a month. Yeah. And I, again, I won't mention the name of the service, but that's going to happen for me in the next two months because I, I, I realize, okay, I'm spending $10 a month. It's 120 bucks a, a year or whatever and change. And you got to pay up front, but I'm coming up on the fall when I have to pay again. I'm not going to re-up. Right. I'm, and I'm going to actively seek out not re-upping because I don't want to – I don't want to have another year where maybe I'll watch seven movies on there. It doesn't right. make sense. Yeah, and that's beard grooming money for 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 <laughs> also Mike right now. So that, we got to we got to keep that going on. Yeah, <laughs> we're going past the playoffs with that one. So we need all the money in the coffers, and a lot of people feel the the pinch because they're like, "Listen, I cut the cord." Because right. I didn't want to pay eighty to a hundred dollars a month for cable, totally. plus you know HBO as add-ons or something. What's essential? Other Where are my stories? You know, <laughs> yeah. what do I have to have? Because I have to watch the next season of this TV show. I have to watch. Right. Like Netflix, you can't live without Netflix. If I only had twenty dollars of you know entertainment money a month, I'm seriously considering probably just having netflix right i mean it's i you know i'm not just saying that because it's a netflix show that i'm on right now <laughs> that's the truth that's the truth if you look at my numbers i keep track of all my numbers of all the stuff i watch and that's the truth but amazon prime you know it's it's probably half that but i i do i do watch a lot of stuff on there hbo max is creeping up disney plus and hulu is less so but like you said the ip is that important like i need to watch the next star wars show i need to i need to watch the next mcu show so that right. that matters so that's where the ip really starts to uh be important for people and I, I think that's another draw as well yeah and the bundle is alluring too if you jumped in on the the bundle you oh, sometimes the bundle price you pay is enough for for just disney plus and right. then you get these other two entities? Absolutely. I mean, like, I didn't do the bundle. I had Hulu beforehand, and Hulu still went down in price. It was funny. At the same time, Netflix went up $2. Hulu went down $2. <laughs> and I was like, thanks. So, like, still even <laughs> they're balancing my budget, my streaming budget. So that's amazing for me. But I want to take a quick break, Mike. But after the break, I want to <laughs> really get into the articles that started it all. I want to know what Netflix's deal is after they just did some work with sony which pre predated all these other news uh articles that just came out and then see what else the the big dog in the fight is going to do to counterpunch these other things so we'll be right back today's podcast is brought to you by baxter blue do you experience digital eye strain from too much blue light exposure from digital screens baxter blue glasses are not your average frames these blue light lenses filter 80% of the highest energy blue light, eliminating 99% of glare. The past year, we have all been glued to our devices more than ever. I mean, I personally bought a, uh, a case for my cell phone where I can now play old uh, Nintendo games like Mario and Excitebike uh, on my phone to just add to the constant screens that I already do. It's killing me. But our exposure to digital light has soared, 
and our eyes and our sleep are suffering as a result. Baxter Blue is also a force of good and provides a pair of reading glasses for someone in need for every pair sold. This is eyewear built for the digital age, and Baxter Blue is giving my listeners 10% off your next purchase of blue light, sleep, or kids' glasses. Click the link in our show notes for your exclusive discount. This is the sign you have been waiting for to invest in blue light glasses. We know you will love your Baxters, and we know that you will feel the difference. All right, Mike, I am a Netflix podcaster after all, so let's get to the real people who matter, okay? We're going to talk about the big dog Netflix now, and as we mentioned up top on this thing, these latest moves from from the Time Warner HBO Max stuff and mm-hmm. the the MGM and Amazon move were were kind of counterpunches to something that Netflix already kind of sprung on people with this deal with Sony where they kind of got the uh, the first look deal combined with you know kind of some pipeline stuff that happens from that and then also gets the the first VOD rights, the first streaming rights for a lot of the the Sony stuff to come out and that deal is 5 years long. So mm-hmm. uh, that was a big deal when it came out. A lot of people were like, what does this mean for Netflix? What does it mean for everybody else? And we kind of saw the chess pieces move around immediately after that came out. But why I love that article from the entertainment strategy guy, you know, because it kind of laid out the entire landscape of, you know, Mm -hmm. why should Netflix make a move and who the dance partner they should choose next to kind of make that next move to put checkmate on some of these guys to knock either some of the competition out or put them back on the status that they are and leave these other streamers a little, you know, give a little more separation between them the same way they do now. So Because when the streaming wars start, it basically winds up being what we talked about earlier. Yeah. There's only so many entertainment dollars to go around yeah. and people are going to make decisions. So when that decision point comes, if it's HBO Max or Netflix, if it's Amazon Prime or Netflix, that's a real that's a real situation that could come up. Absolutely. And and we touched on some of these things. I, w- I just want to put out there what I think Netflix does well, because I think when you're thinking about who they should get, kind of need to see where the holes in their game are and maybe they don't need to lean into certain other things that they already do well so to Mm me the the biggest selling points of netflix is a the fact that it's the something for everyone as you said the walmart of streaming approach (laughs) where literally anyone you know if you have a family of four somebody in every Part of that family is going to go, oh, but I watched this thing on Netflix. Don't get rid of Netflix. So there's that approach to it that is successful for them. It's a Uh, diner. Everybody's happy when they go to the diner. Absolutely. So Walmart, you you go to Walmart, especially when you're in a family of four. Yeah. You want (laughs) breakfast for dinner? You could do it, man. (laughs) Everything is there for you. We also have the brand recognition thing. They are Netflix and chill. They are the big dog. And not only are they the big dog domestically they are the big dog internationally which is a big jump they have even on some of the other majors like an hbo max or amazon or some of these that the reach for them is amazing and they've leaned heavily 
into right. certain markets over the last few years. And you don't have to boast about it. I'll boast about it for you. I mean, their numbers dwarf other numbers. I mean, yes. they have hundreds of millions of confirmed subscribers. Correct. They're at that price point now where it is respectable. I mean, they're not at an Apple TV Plus price point of $7 a month or whatever that is. So this, they're yeah. at a premium cost and they have triple the subscribers of most of these and double the subscribers of their next closest competition. Well, I, I, let's, I'm, I'm ignoring Amazon. Amazon <laughs> is obviously close to them. But yeah. the, their third, the third uh, person in the room is Disney+. Plus. They're at 100 million. Netflix is more than double Disney+, Plus right now. So they are huge. And the fact is they've kind of done it by developing – their own stuff for the most part. Yes, they've made, and you're going to talk about it, they've made a lot of deals. they borrowed a lot of IP. They've had catalog. We've talked about a little bit of this already in terms of viewership styles and whatnot. But I do think in many ways their their library is a lot of Netflix originals, a lot of Netflix original movies, a lot of Netflix original TV shows. So that's a testament to them. A lot of their brand is home, you know, homegrown. In many ways. Yeah. I mean, I started this podcast, Mike, because I saw the writing on the wall of what they were developing, what totally. they were putting their money towards. And they had a constant stream, including this year, where they promised to get a brand new movie every single week. <laughs> you have a weekly nuts. podcast. You I know. Have I have podcast. options. It's perfect. <laughs> I've ignored things that have come out and yeah. I have options, which is insane. <laughs> uh, so a constant stream of original movies. They lead the Oscar noms the last couple of years. They still invest in stuff like Army of the Dead, teen romance, stuff that was underserved out right. in the marketplace. And they have it all the time. Constant original shows, like you mentioned, Stranger Things, The Crown, Ozark. They have Emmys up the wazoo. They have Golden Globes up the wazoo. They, they have invested heavily. And in fact, the shows is really what props them up more Dominant. than the movies yeah. they're just only only five years old for a movie <laughs> studio five and a half years old it is amazing and, what they've been able to accomplish in and that they're the time. biggest movie studio they're the biggest movie studio on the planet in terms of output and in terms of the size of their productions i mean they're making they made some huge purchases last year you've talked about them on your show we talked about them together the gray man etc i mean the knives out Deal. I don't know if you. Or, or, I know you've talked about them. Uh, we. I don't think we've talked about the Knives Out deal together. No. But the fact that Ryan Johnson just to get the rights, just to get him in the door with Daniel Craig, that was two hundred million. So that's another a la carte purchase that was very focused. And yeah. now they're going to put production budgets on top of that. So that's. I can't wait for those movies. Talk about. You can't. You can't give up Netflix for any. You have Knives Out too. Of yeah. course, you, Netflix is it's done. You take my money. Take and all of it. And it's definitely the movie series that they could do because <laughs> it's a new cast all the time. It's something that could be replicated so many right. times. That is IP that has legs and did a big number, an overwhelming number compared relatively to their smaller budgets. That is exactly an investment that I would want to make. And and the stars just keep coming out. We've seen the casting notices every single week. I can't wait for that. You know, sh shout out to Ed Norton. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they are also incredibly good at uh, making stuff for women, teens, L uh, LGBTQ stuff that, you know, other people have not invested in. They also have invested in, you know, African-American black stories that have come through at at the right time, too. Uh, they've made incredible strides where they had specific 
you know, breakouts categories just for those type of things. And they've started to do the same thing for, I believe, you know, uh, Asian Pacific Islander stuff as well. So they really know how to hone in. They have a finger on the pulse of what people care about, and they really go for broke on that too. Uh, They also have started really doing the reality programs outside of like the true crime and documentary stuff, which Mm -hmm. they already were big time players. And they've now, you know, I know you must be a big watcher of the floor is lava, Mike. I know that's a, a big thing that's you know near and dear to your heart. So, you know, you got things like that that have really done well for them. I was shocked mm-hmm. by that. I was a big watcher of the Flores Lava episode on Community. I, I rewatched it. It was <laughs> yes. so good. <laughs> yeah, as as uh, my the the players on the Forgotten Entertainment uh, Slack team have said that they want a true American <laughs> TV show spinoff from New Girl if they could pull that off. If Disney isn't already having that in development. Um, <laughs> But like I said, and 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 like I said, the the international market stuff is huge. Uh, so much that Money Heist, Lupin, they made hits that should have been just de- you know international grabs. Made them domestic hits. So that really shows how good they are at this game and how good the algorithm serves them. What's so cool about Netflix is not only do you go for stuff that you are sure is going to be solid, right? You're sure that The Crown is going to be good. You're sure that Ozark, you're sure that the, you know these movies from these directors are going to be good. But you also trust Netflix for discovering the next cool movie, discovering right. the next cool TV show. So that's where they built up a relationship with their viewers. And the I, if this is the elephant in the room, right? It is their data. It is their algorithm. It is their... The fact that they have just been mining their audience for audience preferences, audience tendencies. They have sure. so much information on this, which I think, Andrew, is why they have kind of – in terms of their purchasing, they've went a la carte. They've yeah. gone for this director, this star, the Adam Sandler deal, all the way to you know Ryan Johnson and Knives Out. They've gone to this production company for – for animated films, right? Or they've gone to Spider-Man and make sure they have the Sony deal for Spider-Man because they know their fan base loves this content. They know they have the audience, that the audience is craving it. So I think that's extremely important. The Netflix database of information is just, it, it helps them, it more than, it drives the fact that they can't really screw it up. It's hard for them to screw it up overall. The floor is very high. The ceiling, we'll talk about in a minute, but I mean, they are in a very good position with how they've invested in content creators and and as a whole versus saying IP and trying to buy old ideas. They're trying to mine the best idea people now to make new ideas. And I think that is a welcomed approach in my eyes, uh, which is what they do well. And I think obviously the subscriber base shows that in the numbers but they do have holes in their game mike and there's a few of them and i think that they might be able to solve or work on some of them with a merger and acquisition i think they are not they are not perfect whatsoever they have uh definite things that i i'm in some of these netflix facebook groups and you know the one thing that i see complain all the time is that they're like netflix does not have good catalog they do not have good movies they have nothing outside of their originals anymore that mm. and we've talked about this you know with all these mer- uh 
news streaming services, the mergers and acquisitions and everything else, they're kind of being stripped for parts. All these deals are starting to come you know, to a close of things that they had on there. Bye bye friends. Bye bye, you know, uh, the office and things of those nature where they went <laughs> off in other places, you know, so they are too heavily relying on these originals to work that because the stuff that some people do love to put on as a nightlight at the end of the night, sure. you know, to kind of just pop something on and calm down and chill out. They're gone. A lot of them are gone. So, the biggest problems they have is their catalog titles are pretty bad, and all the other studios uh, have a streaming service that took all the ones that used to be reliant for, for them for a long time. Also, the Sony deal that we brought up is a five-year deal. This is not in perpetuity. This is not owning the studio. And after they made their deal, there was a secondary deal that went to Disney, where after Netflix gets their window of these, they go right to Disney <laughs> to be on Disney+. Plus. So there are things to where, yeah, you don't even get the stuff for, for perpetuity or, or for that long of a window. You know, there is a third window, and Disney will grab it right after you're done with it. So they do have a catalog issue. They do have a news pipeline issue of sorts that they could fill if they did some acquisitions. And I think the coolest thing is speculation, right, Mike? Yes. <laughs> Isn't it the coolest thing to be like, we want to go shopping? I remember uh, last summer you and I did an episode where it was like, what movies could they pick off the uh, the pandemic pipeline here? What can they just yeah, and it was awesome. We got to do a shopping list, and now we're going to go, why Why talk about just one movie at a time when we could be like, hey, let's buy the studio. So <laughs> what's cooler than that? So the article, like I said, on what's on Netflix lays out a bunch of options, and I, I put three here for mm -hmm. us to discuss because I think they're the probably the, the smartest or easiest options for them to do in the immediate future. Right. Uh, we'll start with Sony because we, we already talked about the deal that they have. They are the largest of the big six studios. They already have a deal, as we mentioned, including you know first a first look deal as part of that and, and being able to bring on movies, which they're already starting to do. Uh, Kevin Hart's fatherhood is coming to Netflix because of this deal. Uh, they they had a great success with the Mitchells versus the Machines, and that wasn't even part of this deal, but it was right. Sony Animation that's getting them more and more, and they have more Sony Animation coming with Wish Dragon coming up and, and Vivo and, and a bunch yep. of other stuff coming through, and, and that could be amazing. And like I said, that deal is half a deal because you know disney gets a little bit of the window stuff afterwards yeah let, let's let's kind of nail it that deal down though because it's a first look deal right so basically sony made a deal with disney with uh netflix here that they are going to create x amount of new properties for them they're going to license x amount of old older properties and by older properties it's some library stuff but more importantly it is you know, a lot of their newer stuff, they're going to get those tertiary windows, which used to be very important. It's how epics and stars, how those uh, entities, those channels were built, right? So yeah. that's always important for Netflix. And like you said, you got to safeguard the catalog a little bit. But I do think it's important, especially on the animation side of things, where they just have this 
they just have this absolute need for content there. And yeah. they, they know that Sony Animation does a great job and a great job for them because, like you said, they have a long-standing relationship with Sony. And when you said Sony is the largest of the big six studios, they're basically the largest of the uh, available. Of the remaining, yes. Right, the remaining yeah. available studios, which is what MGM was a part of that the free agents in yes, essence so we're going to talk about the and what makes them a free agent what makes them a free agent is essentially they're not a subsidiary of a conglomerate with a streaming service right that's basically it like we know mc nbc universal has <laughs> universal lined up and focus features etc etc right peacock has that pipeline and we know that etc you know time warner obviously at&t it used to be we knew that time warner all the wb stuff was going hbo max we knew that right and then obviously disney and hulu etc etc so sony is a big six studio they're very interesting andrew because they have playstation as kind of a way for them to exhibit directly and for them to double dip but like you're saying they're also double dipping in a way because now they have tertiary windows with netflix and and disney because they got to deal with disney regarding spider-man uh as well for five years and it is curious my friend that both of those deals are kind of close to one another both five years so sony might be up for grabs five years from now yeah, I was going to mention that, that I think maybe this just buys them time to see how these deals work for them. Can they stay afloat and stay independent and right. kind of just, you know, be a content creator for everybody, which is not a bad position to be, by the way, you know, because they not can still all. do theatrical uh, the way they want to. They can still do these deals with the streamers. Th- yeah. There are ways to stay afloat without merging into a, a streamer or making things specific. I mean, you're seeing it, by the way, in the podcast game. You know, some right. people are like, yeah, I'm a Spotify exclusive. Okay, well, why would you do that? iTunes is very valuable to have all those subscribers and everything else. Like, totally. does it make sense to be in you know independent or does it make sense to be associated and a lot of those have to do with numbers that are above my head but if anyone <laughs> wants to buy me please i i am i am uh, willing to sell i out. am for sale yes, yes. <laughs> i am a me sellout too. just ready to happen but i will shave right. my beard i'll shave my beard <laughs> if you buy me yes is spotify the yankees all of a sudden what are we doing mike <laughs> absolutely spotify is yeah. the podcasting yankees 100 percent. is johnny damon part of the executive group over there i didn't know that um makes sense with bill Simmons being over there shout out to them um but yeah you're right but there are a lot of things about the sony thing where it's like do they even want to sell how long would it be until they're available um and like uh, you know if you want to compare it to the mgm thing even further they have all the columbia tristar pictures back catalog plus all their stuff that they've had over time plus you know obviously adding any windows uh you know day and date stuff if that's still going to be a thing and you know listen uh, you know netflix is already killing it with cobra kai could they do more karate kid stuff they have the karate kid as an ip that they own yeah or could they make more money off cobra kai going forward (laughs) sure there's a lot of things that they can do and they know how to weaponize these things so i think that would make a very good deal for them if sony decides to put themselves on the market 
Well, this is assuring that they have some catalog, and this is assuring they have some extra IP options for another five years. I mean, that's why this is a smart deal for Netflix. Like, they can be quote-unquote stripped for parts, and essentially it's just everybody, you know, forming their own streaming service, so they take their, you know, those deals expire, and they take their IP back, they take their catalogs back, and it's not on Netflix like it all used to be. And I think when people say that the catalog's not necessarily as strong, what I think they... when they say that it's not strong, I think what they mean is that it's not as strong as it used yes, to be. Correct. And I think they bulked up in original content, so I think it'll. I think they're buying time. In other words, Netflix is buying time, but they do got they got a hit on some of those. They got where's their office? What's their you know? They got to yeah. get those addictive shows that are just kind of timeless. Yeah. Stranger Things is one of them. You know, how many more of those? Crown, I'm sure, is one of them. I mean, you can watch Stranger Things ten years from now, etc. So. I think uh, I think Sony being available five years from now, that is a real thing. And I think they're kind of holding out, waiting to see what happens to theatrical and to exhibition because they were the original holdout at the beginning of the pandemic. You know, yeah. we saw Paramount dishing out things before Sony. We saw everybody but Sony, MGM, and A24. Yeah. Everybody else was, you know, selling left and right. Sony was holding out for theatrical, and this is this is a kind of way for them to hedge. They're not sure, and rightfully so, we're not sure, of what's going to happen to movie theaters and how much money is going to be made by movie theaters. Yes, the international box office, those numbers are as big as ever. Those are very encouraging. The domestic box office, not so much, and it begs the question, is exclusive content absolutely necessary for gaudy numbers and i would say yes i think you know we got 50 years of of data to to say as much but sony is kind of hedging they still got a deal in here with netflix where morbius is not gonna day and date with netflix it's going to come to netflix 18 months afterwards kind of thing so that's one part of it but the other part of it is hey sony has got a contract now with netflix five-year first look deal where netflix is basically gonna say yeah i like this project i like that project we'll finance this x percentage amount for this project and that project and that's the partnership going forward between sony and netflix which is a bit more than sony and disney for that matter to be fair yeah no absolutely they definitely got the better of the two deals you know and the, the like you said the first look deal is the biggest thing the pipeline thing is a big deal um because as we said, Netflix cranks out so many originals, it's easier if they have it in conjunction with somebody else or, you know, stuff that's already available that they can they could do a good job with. So these articles kind of put the question this way, right? If Netflix and Sony are so intertwined and it seems to be a win-win for both sides right. and Netflix can still be selective and Sony can still be selective, what's the rush to get them to the altar? You know, together. We don't necessarily need a shotgun wedding between Sony and Disney. Clearly, Sony has the the library option. Clearly, Sony's the best buy, I would say, for Netflix. And that's why you have it ranked number one here. But it almost makes sense for Netflix because they've been so successful doing things a la carte. And this is kind of their way to do it wholesale, right? Where they can still just basically, you know, employ what they want to employ from Sony. You know, they don't have to take it all. They could just take the projects that they want to develop. So this is kind of the perfect marriage for them. Right. I mean, it's literally the why buy the milk when you can get the cat or, you know, 
what's the analogy? Like buying the cow and getting the milk for free. You know, Rent, you're renting of... the cows at a very fair price. Yes. And you're getting all – whatever milk you want. You can sniff every bottle and <laughs> yeah. see if you want it. Yeah. That's what Netflix is doing right now with uh, Sony's milk, yes. Yeah, Terrible exactly. Analogy. So eventually they might go, well, you know, why not just – Buy all the cows. Buy so the cows. Th they're going to get to that point and buy the farm. You know, all the analogies that we're going to do here, Mike, uh, just <laughs> stop me at any point because I'm losing my mind. But, you know, it's a good deal. And, and that is a good dance. But eventually they might go, well, they could sell to anyone else at any time. So the ex exclusivity and getting a better deal out of it, it might make sense if they have a you know money burning a hole in their pocket to make it official. You know, well, so that's what I wonder. That that's what I wonder if, you know, basically Apple's interest in MGM six months ago. I mean, you got to imagine any deal is a three-way, right? I mean, if you're just negotiating amongst yourselves, <laughs> our, our metaphors are weakening or yeah. strengthening. I don't know how you'd call them. Uh, yes. You know, talk about them at the end of this podcast here. Uh, this beard is long. Anyway, we have – we have a situation where Apple is like a sleeping giant in the yeah. streaming wars. And we saw them go for the big buy with Scorsese. They've been flirting with, you know, the billions of dollars in terms of buying MGM. They almost did that. They tried to buy Bond outright right. from MGM and the Broccoli's and that didn't fly. Because again, I think Eon, I mean, Mike and I kind of researched that with the James Bond character study. Right. Eon wants to be in charge. The Broccoli's want to be in charge. They don't want James Bond TV shows up till now. Maybe that'll change. Maybe there's fine print in the Amazon deal. But up till now, they know what they know. And they make a Bond movie every two or three years. And it does great business. And they're yeah. fine with that. That they're going to keep doing what they do. Yeah. And it's a generational thing. So that's the thing with uh, Apple TV Plus could dive in. And you could get competition from elsewhere. And these free agents could be scooped up like you're saying so right. i think the fact that you got these five-year deals that doesn't necessarily say that sony and netflix can't come to the altar that's what would be the shotgun wedding portion is if apple and sony are like oh we, we got to have you here's x amount of billion of, do of dollars you know yeah yeah so deep pockets they can it's go all xbox now yeah yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> but you know so Lionsgate. Is the next option here? And Wait, is I, Xbox Windows or Apple? Am I forgetting? Xbox, Xbox is, not is Microsoft. Apple. Yeah, it's Microsoft. I knew it was a computer company. That's a dumb analogy. Again, the analogies <laughs> are getting much weaker as we go on. <laughs> All the more reason to move on, Mike. So Lionsgate <laughs> here is the next one, and it's it's a little smaller, and they've only been around about twenty years. They don't have as long a history as Sony or even what Sony has acquired with Columbia TriStar and all those things, but what they do have is some big-time IP. Right. Hunger Games, Twilight, John Wick, Saw. These are big things that continue to make uh, money and spinoffs and things that they can do with the branding of that and Netflix. I think that could be a very good relationship. Also, mm -hmm. Lionsgate mm -hmm. owns stars. So you can make you know, either money off of stars like Disney does with Hulu or you can kill it and take out a competitor and, you know, take all their catalog stuff and everything and put it onto your own. And the price tag is also more reasonable than Sony, uh, which I think was somewhere probably in the MGM deal money, maybe even a little higher now that the MGM deal went above board. And right. now 
Uh, so the price tag would be probably more reasonable, somewhere in the three to five billion dollar range for Lionsgate, right? For Lionsgate, and that could be a big deal. And like we mentioned too, it's not just movies when it comes to Netflix. Uh, Lionsgate also owns, you know, stuff like Outlander, which does very well on Netflix. Uh, Power, some of these other, uh, you know, good shows that have worked for them that could easily land on Netflix and, and get more seasons out of it too. I tell you what, I love the ambition of Lionsgate. I Their properties, they just swing for the fences. Yeah. And it's so fun to get a Lionsgate screener or to see a movie from them where you're you're not sure what it's going to be. Yeah. You know it's going to be points for ambition and you know they're going to be going for it. It's it's high concept like crazy. And when they hit, they hit huge. Like Hunger Games, Twilight, John Wick saw huge hits. They're going for those big splashy moves, and it, it, that's you know when you got a boutique studio, or that, that's where they started anyway for years and years ago. Uh, the fact that they're taking those risks on on new creatives and on you know something like the Hunger Games when it was a, you know they, they spent bigger for that because it was a you know a book obviously book series it was a great book series. And now they got prequels coming out for it. So yeah. look, I mean, I do think Lionsgate has a bit more production power. I would say yeah. In terms like like Sony, it, it, it's a it's a movie. They're producing movies every year, and they're they're they got acquisitions going on. But you know they also have major TV production power. They produce a lot of stuff for stars. Outlander, Power, those are huge global hits. We have a library of movies on top of it. So that that would be a good move for Netflix. I don't I don't see how that would be a bad move. That that makes a lot of sense. I actually like this move the most. Because uh, I, uh, you mentioned I put Sony number one. That was kind of just an order of like the bigness here, but like it's not the like the recommended one. I think I like this one the most because it's a smaller price tag. It's got excellent IP options that yeah. haven't really been played out to death yet. As you mentioned, we're going to get the Hunger Games prequels or something. But, you know, that is something you could do what you're doing right now, what they're doing uh, with Army of the Dead and Bird Box, where they're kind of doing like same scenario as the hit, but in other places and kind of make a Walking Dead, Fear of the Walking Dead thing where you're doing same <laughs> you universe, could. different cast of characters and yep. and do it over and over and make this repeatable moneymaker. Um you know, and like you said, you can go backwards in timeline. There's a lot of options with something that is successful and repeatable. And I think some of these franchises are absolutely able to do that. And they have a bunch of them. And, you know, they've always and they've operated uh, with very reasonable budgets and making big hits out of them. And that is something that Netflix really likes. So I think all of that is super, super good for them plus like i said movie and tv so it serves two masters not just going after the movie stuff i think it's a win-win and if they kill stars bye-bye you know one more competitor and then if they don't then it's their hulu and they can work it out that way i think it's a lot a lot of good ideas that work on that level um, the next one, you know, just to, to kind of get through, I think it's a it's a lesser move, but, uh, you know, it, the smaller price tag moves is what Netflix has done thus far. Like they've right. only done Very things small. like, yeah. you know, hey, they bought Millar World. Mark Millar uh, is notorious for he was um, 
you know the cap uh, the civil war stuff with captain america and the avengers and that okay. stuff like he created a lot of those he has some of the biggest franchise comic book stuff uh for marvel and dc he's worked for everybody and the jupiter's show is is, is right Mark jupiter's Malar. legacy okay. is the first one that they've done with malar world property and then they have a bunch coming after cool. that so and, and he's also known for kick-ass and some of these like non-Marvel DC products that have done well on uh, on their own. So, but smaller studios that are even smaller than Lionsgate that we mentioned, something like you know you mentioned in A twenty four, who's more dedicated to the the theatrical, and I don't think that they're they a good dance partner partner with them, uh, or for excuse me, they wouldn't be a good dance partner for them hmm. uh, because of. You know, the type of movies they make, too, aren't really Netflix brand in my eyes either, unless they want to try to add a different direction and kind of control some of that a little bit. Uh, well, but Netflix I've, has taken risks, though. They've taken risks with original art films. I mean, Netflix has been very artsy in the past. That's kind of how we came together in many ways, you and I, which we were like, look at the audacity of this project or that project, right? I right. mean, we, we got, oh, look at, this is a genre film. This is so cool that the Netflix is funding this one. And, sure. you know, at the, at the Gotham Awards, Netflix has seven movies that they funded and, you know, God bless them for it. You know, this this big, over, you know, this big greedy overlord is really not such. They sure. have taste. So that, that's, that would be a, a 24 you know, reason to absorb A24. And A24 is, you know, as as much of a production company as they are, like Sony, they outsource everywhere. They yeah. have false positive heading to Hulu. They have a deal with Apple. The A24 movies are, are going to Apple. So that would be a acquisition stealing from the competition in many ways. And I'm sure there's A24 stuff that's been on. I know there's A24 stuff that's been on Netflix. I'm sure they've done new stuff as well. But A24, STX, you're going to m- mention now, they work with everybody. Yeah, and Neon's been a good thing for their deal with Hulu, so it'd be right. something like them trying to counterpunch by doing A24 or somebody else like that. But sure. I, the, the ones that they mentioned in the article, like STX, I think makes a lot of sense, uh, where they're smaller, but and they've worked with them a lot before, too. I Care A Lot being the most recent addition uh, for them that worked uh, as, a, as an acquisition out of Toronto. But yep. the brand seems to work more in their favor of what you see on Netflix all the time. They have bad moms. They have Den of Thieves, <laughs> ugly dolls in the animation stuff, hustlers and the gentlemen for more of their, you know, prestige or, you know, mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. the, the more gritty prestige too, which is something that they like to play with. Uh in the case of I Care a Lot, which got them Golden Globe noms for something they just picked up out of thin air. You right. know, so, you know, I think that seems to be a smarter acquisition and they they're prolific for what they pull off too as a smaller studio they're a workhorse kind of like how Lionsgate is too so I don't know I think they're a better match but is it worth you know making it exclusive is it worth taking them over I don't know because you don't have uh, unless you're gonna make a real big deal out of more bad moms movie which they already are making or Den of Thieves as like a show or some kind of universe building thing I don't know but is it worth yeah is it worth paying retail price continuing to pay retail or is it worth 
you know, buying the farm, paying right. wholesale price. Is it, what's what's worth it to Netflix? Like, I get the Sony thing. Like, Sony and Netflix have done so much business that let's take the retail prices, let's make it wholesale prices. And yeah. Netflix, we're willing. They trust Sony at this point. But to STX, they've done some business together. So maybe you flash forward again five to ten years from now and all these independent production companies, majors to mid-majors to minis, boutiques, you know, again, they could – wind up working exclusively for these these major studios which is always what it's been in the entertainment industry the smaller houses you know they they have years of working for the other ones and then next thing you know they're they're bought by the other ones that's i mean that's the way business works in general i think did i just <laughs> did i just get the uh, economics uh majors on my side for once well how many times did we just mention where you know we mentioned in the sony thing columbia tristar they bought them you know like so all their back catalog stuff was propped up on studios that used to be a big deal that got acquired and are no longer like that's the nature of the beast mike and and you you hit the nail on the head so does netflix get in the game here i don't know but, you know, because they already have the Sony deal that was kind of their version of this. But then you see these other deals pop up and you don't know, like you said, Apple has deep pockets and they could try to make their move next, you know, because they want to be one of the big boys. Because as I mentioned, I see it as a big four and they want to be in the five or eclipse one of those big four. So because they're very competitive, but how much do they care? I don't know the answer to that. Apple has shown nothing to me thus far, and I don't want to pay for it uh, right now with what they are presenting to me. They're more of like how I treated, I think you and I had this conversation with um, Mm -hmm. either Stars or Epics or one of them during the pandemic where it was like, hey, they have an exclusive deal on St. Maud, so I guess I'll buy it for a month and then get rid of it. You know what I mean? Like if, if we could do that, you know, I might do that to get the Scorsese movie and then go away. But outside <laughs> of that, what 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 else do they have to keep me on the platform? And this right. might be something to where, oh, okay, well, if I want all these things, I got to go here. You bring up a lot of fascinating points. And I guess we kind of come first full circle to this teaser, right? This speculation yeah. all begins from this one spot is, yes, it's fun to speculate on what Netflix could do. But I think when you're trying to analyze what they should do, you you have to look at what everybody else needs to do. Yeah. All right. So I, I think we just saw it. A lot of other mergers and acquisitions are happening lately. Would you be terrified if Amazon bought all three of those studios? Because they could. Sure. Like Amazon could take up Sony. It'd be costly. Lionsgate. And if the, if the Amazon went on a spending spree of you know five boutiques plus a major studio, right. then what? Then are you afraid of Amazon surpassing Netflix to the point where they're eventually going to bury Netflix or relegate Netflix to the third spot in, in a way? So yeah. th- that's what Netflix is probably looking at in terms of the macroeconomics, right? I mean, are, are they wor- are they that worried? Because the way they've done business all along, and it's been fascinating to look at how they've you know just navigated the film festivals to to which you know they which projects they're funding is yeah. basically they they have all these creatives and they're just they're going after 
content that they think that they know will serve their audience because they have the data, right? Yeah. And they, they just want to get in with, with great creative talent and they're willing to pay these retail prices. So if that tap gets shut off to them because of these other moves and a flurry of them, that's why we, we did this episode in, in essence because these moves do happen in waves, right? I mean, because there's a lot of negotiations and they come to a deadline, they come to a head. I do think it's connected with theatrical. How well does theatrical come back this summer and this fall? If Sony doesn't need to sell because Sony can still make a billion dollars or half a billion dollars with a movie at the, in theaters, right? Sony may be happy to do the five-year production deals and they got that pipeline going with Netflix. They're making money there and they can still make big profits elsewhere. Same for A24. If A24 can't make you know, tens of millions of dollars of profit for, you know, a few movies a year, they got a problem. So I, I think it, it's all interconnected to where theatrical, how, how that responds to how, obviously, when these streaming wars, we I mean, we keep talking about it, but they really haven't picked up yet. I mean, everybody is armoring, you know, it's an arms race, but it's not really the, I mean, first shots, have they been fired yet? Really? I mean, there's been a lot of mergers, so I would think there's been All multiple right. shots, but we do have a long road, is what I'll say. And the one it's thing uh, we've talked about this many war. times in our State of the Union episodes, it's what are the motivations of the biggest players in the game? Amazon is propped up by the thing that does them the most good, the most money, and that is their shopping entities, right? right. Prime everything that goes along with that that is what amazon is at its core this is just another thing for them to keep that prime thing going that brand of prime going right mm -hmm. and apple same thing is it their core business to be in streaming entertainment no did they, are they seeing what happened <laughs> to at&t as an integration thing that didn't work out well is that well, a canary in the coal mine right. that they Apple's shouldn't tried be around? to Apple's tried to integrate more than anybody. Yeah. So, so and it hasn't worked. And it hasn't worked. So that might be a thing where it's like, well, then why would I buy a studio? Be aware more of HBO Max, Disney, and Net well, especially HBO Max and Netflix, because yeah. Disney is also propped up by theme parks, cruises, all these things that are gonna come back that they're gonna make yes. their money back on. Yes. And, you know, so that's a big deal in the next you know for years as long as there's not a pandemic year again then they're gonna make all these uh these uh money streams will come right back to them right now though netflix they didn't diversify at all it's not like they're google or facebook or any is other people where they just bought companies for years on end because they're a tech company they didn't do that they stay home and they make the best out of what they are and they invested in studios, not in like other companies. So their moves have been all organic moves. HBO Max is similar where they are Time Warner at their heart. They are Turner. They are, you know, all these other things that they acquired that make sense. They're all entertainment content machines. And so is Discovery. So right. as a partnership, they care about being the best in entertainment and nothing else. So those two going head to head, 
is the real thing here. And especially wow. if the guy from Discovery really puts his money where his mouth is and says they're going to spend $20, 20 billion on yeah. content coming over and eclipsing what Netflix is doing, then we're going to see the fight. And, then, and, and especially full blown war. Yeah. Right. And then if HBO Max's <laughs> numbers go up as a result, too, because we got to wait and see on that, because it also has to be the right content. So it's going to take some time. It's going to shake out all these deals that just happened or ones that are already in place, as always. But I think we went through a lot of stuff today. Mike. Yes, we did. I think we gave the people everything that they needed to go forth and get their MBA uh, and work really uh, go go to war pick out pick a team to go for with uh, uh, the streaming wars here going forward so I appreciate you going through it with me and uh, I think our people will be very happy it was a lot of fun we talked ourselves out we made a lot of gaffes at the end no I thank you. Uh, for for doing this collaboration, it wasn't necessarily on the schedule. I'm glad we added it. I'm glad we did the research deep dive. I'm glad we speculated like crazy and uh, definitely got my fix. So hopefully, you know, hopefully we'll keep uh, we'll keep talking about it. Hopefully, theatrical will bounce back. I think we're both fans of the theatrical experience in many ways. I just saw a Quiet Place too. That was a very satisfying theatrical experience that gave me some hope i will say and um, i i you know with more of that please movie theaters more of that so i tip my hat to uh to to all of these entertainment entities that gave me stuff to watch at home i i applaud netflix for trying more things you just talked about it with colby army of the dead in theaters but i do think that's going to be a major domino yet to fall what happens with movie theaters that if, I, if i'm you know, on my soapbox and dirty rags, yelling <laughs> about stuff on the streets. Nobody's listening with cardboard signs on my back. That's what I'm yelling about. Yeah. Even as a person who is doing a Netflix podcast, I want theatrical experiences to come back. I want that business to come back in a big way. I want, you know, Mike one to come back in a big way. Yes, so I do. don't have to yes, do. do any more of his dirty work. He's a much better host <laughs> than I am. So I need him back as well. So excellent job sir as always and uh you know i hope you know you guys still got your uh fast and the furious stuff coming through and you know you know you got a lot of a lot of work ahead of you man and i've seen the lineup for for the theatrical films going forward and what uh we're in store for in october alone has got yeah. me excited that awesome. last night in soho trailer has got me oh, I can't on wait. cloud nine so Excellent, excellent job, and I wish you guys luck and hope to be back on uh, relatively soon. Definitely, definitely. We'll keep talking. Thanks, bud.